You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 175. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of BleedingGreenNation.com. We also have a special guest, our resident uh, draft expert, we'll call him, Ben Solak of the Draft Network and also of BleedingGreenNation.com. Eagles, of course, made a huge move uh, on Friday afternoon, so we'll have a semi-emergency podcast to cover that. They traded back, of course, from the sixth overall pick in the 2020 in the 2021 NFL Draft. To the 12th overall pick, they made that deal with the Dolphins, who had earlier in the day moved back from 3 to 12 with the San Francisco 49ers. The Eagles, of course, pick up Miami's first-round pick in the 2022 draft, and they move up from the 5th round, the 156th overall pick, uh, to the 4th round, 123rd overall pick. So they move up uh, 33 spots uh, in on day 3. And uh, we're going to cover uh, that trade in a number of different ways. But first of all, Brandon, Ben, how are you guys doing? And where were you guys, first of all, when uh, when the trade news initially dropped? Uh, I was in the beautiful Grand Rapids airport. Shout out Gerald R. Ford. It's a lovely airport. Uh, Wi-Fi is free and fast. Uh, there's like 12 total gates very quick to get to. No McDonald's, my only problem. But whenever <laughs> you log into the Wi-Fi, they're always like, do you have any feedback for us? And I always put... Get a McDonald's and then I log on to the Wi-Fi. But yeah, no, I was flying home. Uh, and so I was getting onto my first plane, which was going to be like a quick little layover. Uh, looking at this Niners-Dolphins trade, going like, this is so cool. This is fun. This is interesting. How exciting for the league. I wonder what's going to happen. There was a, a woman on my flight who had a Niners jersey or a Niners like, sweater on. I was really trying to like indicate that I wanted to talk with her without being like, hello, <laughs> tell me things about the Niners. Um, and then all of a sudden an Eagles trade dropped and I was like – Dang. I'm about to be not able to tweet for a long time. So I was just sitting in my uh, in my little you know 14D seat, thinking of 10,000 different thoughts with absolutely nobody to access, which is not good for me. But yeah, I was flying home. Jimmy, Ben, glad to be here with you. For me, uh, finding out about it is always an interesting experience when it's from BTN staff members and not just me seeing it on Twitter or somewhere. I'm like getting text and Slack messages all of a sudden, and a lot of times, you know naturally so it's not even with the context included it's like oh i can't write right right now or i can't write right now and i'm like about what what are you talking about first thing i did was slack blg and say i can't write anything like with no with no because blg always knows there's no way for me to be like about the trade like obviously the trade that you're right and that's fair but it's just funny because like that's one of the first things i saw i'm like what are you talking about so (laughs) sure enough i check and it's like oh uh more than a month until the draft because it's March 26th, when this trade happens, we're recording the next day, March 27th. Uh, draft doesn't begin until April 29th, and the Eagles are already making this big move down from 6 to 12. So, uh, yeah, didn't expect it. I had walked four miles to Target, um, and normally if I'm going to be gone for at least an hour or so, I'll bring my laptop with me, but I wasn't going to bring my laptop on a walk like that. And I figured, you know, late Friday afternoon, anything that like any kind of like news dump type of news is already pre-written. So I could just call uh, Matt Mullen or Evan Macy, like, or it's getting traded or released. Like that's all written already. So like, but I was not expecting this, of course. the curtain for you guys. (laughs) We know this is happening. (laughs) But uh, something of this nature was not expecting. And uh, Kristen uh, wasn't home. 
this Christian Roach Villagers, of course, wasn't home. So I called my next door neighbor, uh, this like 70 year old woman who came and picked me up from Target. Uh, as soon as I found out the news, like I started writing the, the article via email to myself and I had my neighbor come pick me up. So uh, she is the real MVP of my world yesterday. <laughs> so hats off to Kathy, uh, my 70 year old next door neighbor. What did you say to her? You're like, hey, I got to like uh, blog an article. Can you come pick me up? It's it's very if, if pro tip to anyone who, you know, buys or rents a house or whatever. Make friends with your neighbors because it's very beneficial for you guys to kind of help each other out on these kinds of things. So I help her out with various things like any kind of computer, printer issues, anything like that I can do that she like isn't great at. Uh, I help her with all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, she'll help with like if I'm going to be out for a while. If I need to like let my dog out or something, she can do that. So uh, very beneficial. But but, um, yeah, the call was basically just, hey, Kathy, uh, the Eagles did something very significant and I need to write as soon as I possibly can. And I'm at Target and it's going to take me too long to run back to my house and I'm already tired as it is. So can you come get me? And she did. And by the way, like I was I was wondering, like, okay. Like, I've never been in a car with her before, so I was just assuming that she was, you know, her age, and she wasn't going to, like, you know, be very fast driving. She was, like, whipping around corners, like, going (laughs) through yellow lights. She was, like, trying to get home, trying to get me back to my house as soon as possible so that I could write this up. Is she an Eagles fan? Uh, You know, I don't... Yeah, yeah. So they they do have people over to their house to um, to watch games, but... Uh, like we wouldn't actually like have a conversation about players or, or anything. Like she's not that right. into it, where she'd know like a lot of players' names and stuff like that. But they do watch all the games every Sunday. Right. I was just wondering if she like, wheeled up, slammed on the brakes, threw open the door, and was like, "What is he doing? What's how we again with this?" <laughs> four miles, just like you need to write this and this. But she was awesome. So anyway, uh, Brandon, why don't you uh, lead us in with a little bit about Righteous Felon, and then just get right into whether you think this is a good deal or not. You're, you guys already know the deal. You don't even need to, me to get super into it. Right to sell on craft jerky. Uh, go to righttoselling.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off. There's too much to talk about with this trade that we can't not get to it immediately. But where do we start, Jimmy? Well, do you like the deal or not? Good move, bad do move? Do I like the deal? Um, so I already have a reaction to this trade based on something I wrote on March 14th. Uh, I did a little mock draft roundup for Bleeding Green Nation as I do weekly. And uh, one of the scenarios was kind of relevant to this. I wrote, quote, verbatim at the time, one of the Jalen Waddle scenarios has the Eagles getting him at number 12 in a trade down. I really don't like the idea of moving down from number six since the Eagles desperately need blue chip talent and can't afford to get cute. With that said, a trade down where the Eagles pick up a 2022 first round pick, especially from a team that has a reasonable potential to be bad, is where I'm willing to start listening. The Eagles could potentially have three first round picks next year with such a trade. And basically that's where I stand on it. I would have not liked this deal a lot more if the Eagles only got picks this year, uh, you know, extra picks. They didn't get that future first. I think the future first is a big deal. I don't, I would say I neither love nor hate the move. I'm somewhere in between on it um, because, again, I really think it was so important to get that elite-level talent. That's what this roster needs. It's not just about getting more players. 
uh, more young players about getting like really impactful difference makers. And I don't know that the, I think the Eagles chances of doing that and this year's draft obviously got worse. You can, you know, debate how much worse of a chance it is. But uh, so I guess I kind of lean towards uh, if I have to pick a side, not loving it. But uh, the, the future first and the, and the optionality in this deal is big to me. Ben? I think I think I like it more than BLG does. Uh, I, I also would like to be able to draft Jamar Chase and would prefer to be able to draft him as opposed to have him be off the board completely because I think Jamar Chase is pretty good. But, like, even if your team is good at drafting, you have to kind of operate with, with an understanding that our levels of confidence in the draft and our evaluations can only be so high. And certainly for the way Philadelphia's drafted recently – even less confidence that our evaluations of players can be, you know, only so high. And so if you're looking at a board where you say, you know what, there's not a huge difference for us between players available at six and players available at 12, which I'd agree with an evaluation of that board. I don't think it's a very strong class at the top, uh, outside of quarterback for sure. Then, yeah, being able to get a future first and the flexibility that comes with that, trade up for a quarterback draft pick, trade for a veteran quarterback, just make the pick next year figure out, you know, develop some of your young guys this year, know what you need next year, and make that pick then. That flexibility is nice, right? Like Jason uh, at Over the Cap, who's a good follow, uh, shared, like, his valuation uh, of the future picks over the next couple years in the NFL. And the Eagles right now are fourth in terms of the most draft value of any team. And that's really the the kicker here. This team is a multi-year rebuild. Howie Roseman has successfully rebuilt teams before. He successfully built up capital and built teams uh, we give him at least that small credit, uh, and I think this is a move in that direction. Yeah, for me, um, I was in on drafting a quarterback at sixth overall because you don't know when you're going to be back picking that high again. There's no guarantee that there's going to be good quarterbacks in the next draft, um, and there's no guarantee that you're going to be in a high enough position to get one. Um, but in, in this draft, if the Eagles felt like they couldn't get one, and there was a report from Ian Rappaport saying that they did try to get up to they did try to trade up for, for Zach Wilson of BYU. They couldn't get up to two. The discussions were with the Dolphins at three. So if, if they were at three, there's no guarantee they're going to get him there. So if they couldn't get the quarterback that they liked or they didn't want whatever quarterback might still be available at six, uh, I'm with Ben. I don't think there's a huge difference between the positional player talent uh, that would be available at pick number six versus pick number 12. And um, certainly the extra first-round pick in 2020 in 2022 and i mean for all we know that could be a high pick like there's no there's no guarantee that the dolphins are, are going to go what do they go 10 and 6 I, I think in in 2021 i think a lot mm-hmm. of that um was because they're excuse me 2020 was, was because their defensive scheme uh you know was was very good and i think caught some teams off guard i think theoretically you know, opposing offenses will be a little bit more ready for what they're running defensively and then of course there are questions with Tua Tagovailoa and uh, his effectiveness going forward so uh is is that pick worth the difference between who you're going to get Six versus twelve. Like even if Jamar Chase is there, I, like Ben, like I think he's obviously a very, very good prospect. But I don't, and I think you know he, he'd be like clearly my number one uh, wide receiver in this draft. But the difference between him and like a Jalen Waddle and right. Devonte Smith, for example, I don't think the gap is that big where you thumb your nose at, a, at an extra you know first round pick in twenty twenty two. So yeah. no, uh, I'm, I sent I'm, a, I'm with yeah, I sent a swarmy message to BLG yesterday which is like eagles fans have spent the entire regular season lamenting the fact that the eagles passed on justin jefferson who was the most productive of the rookie wide receivers and was selected at wide receiver five and now they're like how can we move on from wide receiver one we might have to take wide receiver three 
was Justin Jefferson was wide receiver five. Like that's you know, and obviously Jefferson was productive in large part. You know, like that offense was better, and like you know, there's there's a good argument to be made that any wide receiver thrown into the 2020 Eagles was not going to be very good as a rookie. But it is to say that it's very rare that the top guy selected at a position, especially one so varied as wide receiver, really ends up the most impactful dude. And so you know, that's that's what we talk about in terms of being cognizant and and honest about degrees of confidence in the draft right like if you think as i do like chase and waddle uh, Jalen waddle and Devonte smith all really really good is it worth not having that future first to get your pick of of the group when you can say all right we're gonna have a chance at maybe getting the third if we don't we've got other plans we have tons of needs on this team uh, and so we don't have to stay and make sure we get one we can move back and if corner comes to us or offensive tackle or whatever we're gonna go there like that that's that I, like, like I said, that honest understanding of, all right, how confident can we be in our own ability to figure out the draft? Because nobody in the league has ever figured it out and sustained it over enough time to, like, you know, get an edge on the league. To play devil's advocate on that, though, I think you can look at the confidence thing and say, how can you be so sure that the gap isn't as big as you think it is? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you, you think the gap is small. What if it's a lot bigger than you think it is? And I think the big issue that maybe not only me, but a lot of people have with this deal is, like, you're, you're – increasing the you're, you're widening the range of outcomes you know when you're moving down to pick number 12 whereas like it kind of felt like picking at six it would kind of be hard to go wrong i mean let's face it like the eagles probably would have gotten their pick of the the, the second non-quarterback because i think it's pretty clear that quarterbacks are going i think top four four in the top four mm-hmm. and then you know let's say sewell goes at five which is you know a pretty popular projection although it could have been chase there's talk that joe burrow wants uh, the Bengals to draft chase there um but i mean then you're looking you know pretty good for the eagles there at number six and i think you know having that ability to, to like i feel like it would be kind of harder to go wrong at that spot i think that's the other side of it and uh I think, well, first of all, let's just add in cynical Philly sports fan view here. Like, there's no doubt that that player now who's getting drafted at six right, is going to yeah, be yeah. like a freaking oh, for sure, future yeah. Hall of that's, that's, right? yeah, that's what I wrote uh, for Bleeding Green is I was basically like, like, this is good, but I also guarantees that Chase is good. There's no way he can't be good now because the Eagles passed on him, which means he has to go be good wherever he ends up. Uh, and that's just the way it is to be a Philly sports fan. But I think, I think right, it's about, like, it's the idea of, like, swings at the bat swings at the plate, I should say, versus, like, the quality of the pitch and kind of, like, you know, the, uh, what you think you can swing at. The Eagles took six, and instead of taking one swing at the plate, they're not taking two swings at the plate, just in terms of first-round picks. They have this first-round pick and next year's first-round pick. And for them, and I hesitate when I say, like, especially for a team that is bad at drafting, because if you're bad at drafting, you should not have the same front office that you currently do. You should not be making decisions <laughs> based on the fact that, oh, because we're worse at this than the average team in the league. So it's, I don't really think that actually plays into it. But for a team that is not, like, you know, out here regularly finding edges in the NFL draft, which most teams aren't, getting that second swing at the plate, like, you know, you said, like, it it, it, it widens the varies of outcome. Like, it would have been hard for them to miss at six. If they did, which I think is, is, is still very likely because it always feels like you're not going to miss with a top five pick, a top six pick, and then you do. If that had happened, good night. You missed the pick. You screwed up another first-round pick, and that's yeah. a lot worse than when you screwed up twenty-two or twenty-five with Dillard. It's a lot worse than when you screwed up fifty-seven with Ortega Whiteside. You screwed yeah. up six. Like that. That like Jimmy said. Like <laughs> right. that could have been a quarterback. 
and, and, and you did not take that quarterback, because I think we're still talking about this like as a wide receiver tight end thing. You got a player and you blew it. Now if you blow 12, that's bad. But you've got the pick next year, and that's the security, right? So like for you, it's like, all right, this, got, this makes things riskier because you've moved out of this top six pick. And for me, it's like this makes things safer because now you get two swings at the plate instead of one, and that kind of hedges your bet a little bit. So, right, it, it, it's it's all about like kind of draft philosophy. And this, like, Roseman has the quote in 2015 that he gave to Sloan where he was like, if you look at the history of trade-ups and trade-downs in the NFL draft, the team that trades down always benefits. And that's that's the analytic approach, right? Brian Spielberger of PFF and Over the Cap wrote his his – a book over the last like 15 years looking at first round trade backs non-quarterback quarterback whatever and like the team that trade down won by his valuation like 70 percent 70 75 percent of the time this is the analytic approach it's trade back get more swings at the plate that's going to protect me that's going to give me you know more certainty that i'm going to eventually get good players that's roseman's mentality we haven't really seen it over the last couple of years as they went all in on Wentz and went on on their winning window now he's back to to doing his thing which is you know like kind of austere severe roster management and for him that means trade backs it's kind of interesting because uh the eagles draft history kind of goes against that where like they traded up for fletcher cox and he panned out they traded up for brandon graham he paid out panned out they traded up for uh jeremy macklin a couple spots he panned out and then i think when they traded when they've traded back um mm-hmm. they've their picks have been you know a little bit more unsuccessful so it's just interesting to me that, like the eagles kind of go against right yeah the, the eagles history kind of goes against the uh the analytics but uh you mentioned quarterbacks so let's sort of transition to what that means for the eagles current number one quarterback jalen hurts which um you know certainly i think this move takes quarterback out of the equation uh with their first round pick i guess it's certainly still possible that one of the top five quarterbacks uh, lasts until the 12th overall pick, but I think their move back sort of, um, you know, I, I think it, it, it implies that they don't, that they're not going to be taking a quarterback in this draft or they're sort of, um, I guess, resigned to the fact that they're not going to get one. So um, the Eagles, of course, uh, sign Joe Flacco to a free agent deal. Uh, we won't go deep into that, as Brandon and I complained about that for 45 minutes on the on the last podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's going to be the clear number one this year. But what does it mean for his future? Uh, this pick and the fact that they have three first round picks potentially. They definitely have two first round picks in 2022. Potentially a third round, a third first round pick in 2022. What does it mean for his uh, long term future with the team? Well, I, I, first of all, I just want to say I like that it kind of is committing to him as QB1 because that's the outcome that I wanted to see this year unless you know again I said the Eagles felt like really strongly about someone that they could get at six but I don't I don't think they're ever really getting a quarterback at six because I think again the top four guys are going top four so at best you're getting fifth you know the fifth best quarterback um so I was cool with riding with Jalen Hurts this year uh I think it's it's fine to do that and see what he can do um now again I also don't believe in him like as a proven long-term answer, how could you? I mean, there's. I think there's reason to be excited about his potential. He's only 22 years old. Uh, I like his attitude. Uh, I think he showed some signs of promise last year down the stretch. Obviously, not enough to make you feel like he's just he's your guy. You said it and forget it. Um, and I think it's an interesting trade because like uh, this doesn't help him in the short term because you could have gotten you know a, a potentially a, a better difference maker at number six, and now he's not going to have that weapon. Um, but I think. The, the situation that he's set up in is that 
like if he can thrive against the odds of the situation he's in, because it's not an ideal situation coming from a roster that's still probably pretty bad uh, from last year and carrying that over into this year. And it's not like they're going to be upgrading it a ton. Like they couldn't do much in free agency. They're only going to really be able to rely on the draft. So uh, I think uh, this is where I do start to like to deal more. Um, having the assets to potentially pivot to a new starter, if Jalen Hurts is like anything less than convincing this year, even though that might not be fully fair, again, because of the context and the, the supporting cast and everything, um, I do like having that option to pivot in the future, whether that's a veteran passer or a guy in the draft. Uh, I think the pressure is on Hurts to really show something this year. I, I like, okay, this is, people aren't going to like this. I push back a little bit <laughs> on the idea of like, you've got to like, be able to uh, like like you've seen a lot like the Eagles have to add a wide receiver because they don't add a wide receiver how are they going to be able to evaluate Jalen Hurts it's not going to like 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 Brandon was bringing up like this isn't going to be like a fair situation there's truth to that but also like you are able to take quarterback play out of context and my argument for that is when's 2019 versus when's 2020 like we watched when's 2019 and we were like all right the wide receivers are clearly holding him back. The offensive line is clearly holding him back a little bit. But we can see, like, him making good plays. Like, we can see good things happen when he does things in 2019. Like, oh, that was an accurate pass that should have been caught. Oh, that was an inaccurate pass, but the wide receiver was wrong. You know what I mean? Like, we, we get those. And then 2020 comes, and the wide receivers are still holding him back, and the offensive line is still holding him back. And now it's like, all right, it's a lot easier to figure out the plays now where Wentz is really a detriment here, and he's playing worse. And you can argue— fairly that the bad play of 2020 was in part a result of the circumstances of 2019 stunting his development and and I'm fine with that argument and if you want to develop Jalen Hurts you're running a risk if you put uh, the the offense you currently have out on the field because it's going to be more difficult for him to develop when he has to do so much for the team and, and especially for a quarterback like Hurts who runs the ball so well uh Every time he loses trust in his wide receiver, every time he loses trust in his offensive line, he becomes more and more likely to tuck the football. That's fine in that play. But long term, that stunts your development because those are reps you want of him throwing the football. Those are reps you want him getting to his check down. You want him maturing as a passer because that's where he needs to take strides. And with a a bad team around him, he's not going to want to take those strides. He's going to default to keeping his floor high, keeping the team on schedule, and doing what he did for the last four games of 2020, which is running around. So certainly, like, the uh, Hurts development will be affected if the Eagles don't improve the offense. I, 100% there. They, we won't be able to evaluate him really at all if they don't change the offense, if they don't improve the offense. That, to me, like, I think I, think I, I, think I can watch Hurts play and tell you when he's making good plays, when he's making bad plays. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't want to say like they can't evaluate him at all. I'm just saying that they're not, you know, it's not like you're going all in and doing everything you possibly can to make sure he can succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- it's, that's just the nature of the situation. It's not, I just think it's, it's not going to be totally fair, but I think that's almost a good thing, again, because if he can like thrive in spite of that, then great. Then you feel even better about him. Right, about yeah, exactly. Uh, see, I think he's going to be in an okay position to succeed in 2021 anyway. I mean, there's some projection here, but if the offensive line comes back, and they stay healthy, which of course is a huge if. I mean, it's. I mean, is that still like one of the top five offensive lines in the NFL? Like if Lane Johnson comes back, and I, I, he even played well even with the injured ankle in twenty twenty. Right, yeah, Lane's so, been good for the last two years, and he has that ankle for two years. <laughs> yeah. So if he has that ankle back, he's going to be in, again an elite right tackle. Brandon Brooks is coming back. 
Uh, Jason Kelsey's coming uh, coming back for another season, so we all know what those two guys can do. And then I think Isaac Sayamalo is fine at left guard, and we'll see if Jordan Mailata can continue to progress as a left tackle. I mean, it's a good offensive line, so uh, if they can all remain intact, then uh, I think he's... I mean, obviously the receivers are, <laughs> are going to be maybe the the reverse of that. They're going to be bottom five in the NFL, but, uh, you know, assuming they don't get somebody who can contribute, um, you know, big time immediately. But, uh, yeah, I, I do think that, uh, you know, while the receivers are certainly and clearly bad, uh, I think sometimes we can also forget that the offensive line still is very good, at least on paper. Yeah. I The most disappointing thing of the trade back to me is that they're not – going to be getting a quarterback so i think this is quite a good class for quarterbacks and i would have mm-hmm. liked for them to get one the Rappaport tweet thing was just hilarious to watch in real time where he was like <laughs> yep the eagles wanted to trade up for zach wilson but he won't be he there got, at three so he, he got decided a to trade back five uh, area right code for exactly sure. <laughs> and then joe douglas hit his phone up and was like uh excuse you i'm trying to lie to the other teams i'm trying to maybe trade sam Darnold here and rap has to walk the whole thing back oh just just to clarify my language uh i should not have said that <laughs> oh you think that came from joe douglas not the eagles my to me that's joe douglas to me that's joe douglas calling texting and being like uh my picket two is not public knowledge there chief little rap sheet all right i'm trying to like still like play a game here a little bit but obviously like that's as wilson's pro day is going on and it's becoming more and more apparent the jets are taking wilson at two regardless uh you know it is disappointing if the eagles were like we want zach wilson and then it was like all right there's no way we're gonna get him darn the rest of this quarterback class isn't worth sitting at six like to me one of lance and fields was worth six that's the most disappointing thing is that they're out of that quarterback now yeah they have Hurts. We're going to see what we've got here. I think Hurts is a very high floor player. I think Hurts is like running ability, creative offense. Like there's ways to get stuff out of that. It's the ceiling and the development that matters, like we've talked about. And then it's now you have the the we keep calling them three first round picks. Hopefully three first round picks in 2022. That puts the Eagles best position of any team to make a move up for a quarterback. You know, the Jets will have two first round picks, but they have. Uh, uh, their pick, their rookie, presumably Wilson. The Lions will have two first-round picks because of the Rams deal, but the Eagles could have three. Uh, and so that, that puts you in that good spot to trade up or get a vet next year, and hopefully the team will be a little bit better in that regard. All right, let's take a break here. Uh, Brandon? Righteous Helen, Craft Jerky, go check it out. Or else is my new slogan for them. I don't know if they approve of that, but uh, I'm just going to throw it out there, and uh, maybe they'll run with it. Who knows? Go to RighteousHelen.com. Check out all the snacks that they have. They have beef jerky. They have other things. Just go check it out or else you're a coward. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So go do it. Uh, use discount code BGN15 for 15% off at checkout. And Jimmy? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 175, reacting to the Eagles' big trade down. More than a month until the 2021 NFL Draft. We've talked about Jalen Hurts. We've talked about the deal itself. Uh, I want to talk about what this says for Mr. Howard Roseman's job security, or at least talk about his role in all of this. Because, is his name Howard? I mean, is it not? I, I've never thought about this before in my life. Have you ever thought about starting just like, what if we all just one day agreed to call <laughs> Howard? Uh, Howie Roseman, like Howard Roseman, and we just all started calling Howard Eskin, Howie Eskin. That's like, all what I was going to say. You got to start calling Eskin yeah. Howie. According to Wikipedia, happy. Howie is indeed Howard Roseman. Okay. Wow. That's good to know. 
All right, so yeah. you, in the future say now, we, when I'm mad at him, he's going to be Howard. <laughs> you can't say we don't teach you things here on BGN Radio. Um, so my thing with Howie, uh, I look at this as one of two scenarios. I think there's potential for the Eagles to get the ship righted, you know, if they capitalize on this pick. And I think Howie could look pretty smart. Uh, there's a scenario where Howie either uses these assets to find a new franchise quarterback if you have to pivot away from Hertz. And or build a, a core, like a championship kind of core where you're getting, you know, you're hitting on multiple picks and you're you're building the next era of Eagles football. But I think there's also potential for this to work out where the idea of the picks now turns out to be much better than the reality of them. Because I think that's often the case with first round picks, especially if they're later on in the first. There's like there's no guarantee uh this this turns into a stud like we, we can dream about now. I think there's a scenario, a realistic one, where the Eagles come up like relatively empty handed while the player again that's picked at, at number six is like a, a total difference maker and it's kinda like, well, uh here we are. So I, I think it's always important to evaluate process and I feel like I try to we try to put enough this on that here at BGN Radio, not just being all result, results oriented, but I feel like the results kind of matter a lot in this one. Uh, Jimmy, mm-hmm. where are you at on Howie? Yeah, my answer will be short on that. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> like right. I think Jeffrey Laurie made it very clear that he wasn't, you know, he like he he didn't put any accountability really on Howie during that during during Laurie's you know, year after uh, press conference. Um, I had actually when Howie did his initial one, not the latest one, but his initial one, I actually asked him about. Will he still feel like, you know, being on the proverbial hot seat? And this was, of course, before Laurie spoke. Um, do you feel like you can make the best decisions for this team in the long-term interests while, you know, instead of doing what a lot of other GMs and head coaches around the league have done forever in the NFL, which is make bad short-term decisions for job-saving purposes? And his answer was essentially something to the effect of – um yeah, I'm not worried about my job. And <laughs> like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the the best decisions for the team, uh, long term, short term, etc. Uh, so uh, I think this move at least does kind of um, uh, jibe with that answer. In that they do, you know, it would be very easy to just take a pick at at, at six and uh, take the best available player there. But picking up that extra first round pick in 2022, I think very clearly shows that you know how he expects to make that pick too. Yeah, I think that. Um... Berman had a had a piece for the Athletic, which was really good, where he was talking about Roseman, and he walked through like all of the different times over the past like five years that Lori's given a quote about how being a general manager is more than just like watching film and evaluating players. And so BLG's point is right on the nose. It's like all of this process is great. I think this is good process. I think this is the right way to go about things. You have to be able to draft good players at some point. Yeah. They haven't really successfully done that. <laughs> That's the piper that we want to. That like you know we as Eagles fans, as Eagles media, are keep we keep expecting to you know be called and to come, and it's time for Roseman to pay him, but never is. And because Laurie's just okay with Roseman being this kind of like, uh, you know, he's got his, his finger in a lot of places, and we're going to be very collaborative, and we're going to have all these different. This is the scouting, this is the coaching staff, this is the analytics, whatever. And eventually, that decision making process will will reap good players, and it probably will. But also, like it hasn't, and it's, it's it's time to get moving. But it, to me, it's not surprising that like, you know, Doug's out, Sirianni's in, 
Lurie turns to Roseman and says, right, what, do we, what do we do? What's the plan? And Roseman goes, let's approach this the way we were approaching, you know, 2016. We took all the Chip Kelly veterans and we offloaded them and we used those guys to move in the draft and go get a quarterback. Like, he's like, we're going to be aggressive retooling the roster. We're going to move around in the draft. We're going to get more capital, right? Like, it's a similar approach. And obviously for Lurie, like, oh, yeah, we should do what we did in 2016 because we were very successful quite soon afterward. Like, that sounds good. Obviously, the sustainability is what matters there because that's, that's where the Eagles have failed. But to me, yeah, it's unsurprising Resmond's in charge. And it's unsurprising that this is his approach relative to what we've known and seen about him over the last decade. I just think it's interesting in terms of, like, how much more time does he get? You know what I mean? Because, like, you can't evaluate this trade next year, right? Like, this this is gonna, this trade is going to take, like, I feel like years <laughs> down the line to evaluate. So, yeah. like, you know, if you're, you're making this huge decision that is shaping, the again, I think the next era of Eagles football, the way, especially the way they're looking at it, this young coaching staff and everything. Right. It's a long-term vision, which I think they should have. But it's just kind of crazy because it's like, you know, how much more time does he get? Like, how much more time does he get to see these picks and everything through? And that's probably the results-based part of this, right? Like, it'll be based off what happens because like all right, if it's a rookie he probably gets that rookie and if it's right it's right and if it's not it's not i say that when he's already survived like multiple head coaching firings right he's survived three now which the jib kelly one he didn't really survive as general manager but still he's su- he's sustained he endured and that's already like way more than your average gm so we're in uncharted territory so that's my answer as a rookie if these three picks become Russell Wilson centerpieces with the way the Eagles are convinced that they had Russell Wilson and that he was always destined for Philadelphia, right? He'll be there forever. Like, you know, like, it doesn't even matter if Wilson's bad. Like, if that's what this becomes, you know, that, that, that'll be considered such a coup. Uh, so, yeah, I think that part has to be results based at some point because the Eagles will have decisively not had quarterback right sustained for over a decade if the Eagles don't get this next quarterback move correct. And at that mm-hmm. point, like, come on, right? I mean, even beyond the quarterback position, like this pick that they make at 12, assuming they stay there and make a pick, it's got to be a good player year one. Or he's going to just get destroyed again. Like, I mean, not it's not that he hasn't been destroyed for the past year, but it's just going to get substantially worse. And I do wonder if, uh, if I mean, if, if they would ever do anything. I don't, I don't, I think he's got long-term job security, um, no matter how much you, me, or anybody else uh, can can argue with, a, I mean, with a mountain of evidence why he shouldn't have that. Mm-hmm. Do, is there any? I want to ask you guys this: Is there any sensation of pick at twelve is bad? Eagles are bad again. Hurts is bad. Lori looks and sees three first round picks sitting in twenty twenty two and goes, "I want to go get somebody who's better at making picks." Yeah, you think that's, there's that's a chance the for that? Can, that's the way it can happen. I think. Yeah. It, I think that's a. It have to be like you know, like you said though, disaster scenario. The Eagles have to be like, like two and fourteen or two yeah. and fifteen now or whatever. You know, it right. have to be I'd like be, really, really bad. Yeah. I'd be stunned on if a last place schedule in the worst division ever too. Yeah, I'd be stunned <laughs> if it happened. But also, like I remember going through that process this year, being like, "What's the best general manager job? What's the best head coaching job?" And it's like next year we could very well look at yeah. the Eagles' general manager job and say, right. if this opens up. It will be the best job on the market, mm. and who knows what candidates will be around then. So that, that's that's where my head's at. But again, I don't I don't think it'll happen. Um, so 
tying into that, like I want to ask you guys, like, do the Eagles get the three first round picks next year? Because I think it's easy to assume that it's not. A, it's not a lock. I mean, mm-hmm. again, to to run back the Colts thing for those who don't remember, don't have it at the top of their heads, um, the Eagles get a first round pick from the Colts in twenty twenty two if Carson Wentz plays seventy five percent of the snaps, no matter what happens with the Colts. That's the scenario one. Or if the Colts uh, make the playoffs and Carson Wentz plays at least 70% of the snaps, obviously that's kind of built in there to protect uh, the Colts sitting him in a Week 17 game or Week 18 game now, I guess it would be, potentially. Um, so do they get, I guess, do they get the three first-round picks? I mean, and then, like, also, like, where are they? Because I think it's important to talk about, you know, where those picks might fall. I know, Jimmy, you touched on the Dolphins earlier. Um, like, what are we expecting for those picks? All right, so I'll start with uh, and even the Indianapolis. Eagles. Yeah, I'll start with Indianapolis, and um, I think he does play the seventy-five percent of the snaps because even if they're not great next year, that division's bad. So mm-hmm. I mean, the Jaguars are bad. Obviously, the uh, the Texans are a dumpster fire. Like right, they're a tire fire right now. <laughs> they're just a, yes. I mean that that organization is in worse shape than the Eagles. Probably the worst shape in the NFL. Maybe we can make that argument. And then um, you have the Titans, of course, who were a good team, won the division last year, um, but they lose their offensive play caller. Uh, I don't know exactly what they've done in free agency so far, but it's not that scary a team, obviously. So I think that division is going to keep the Colts alive throughout the entirety of the season, even if they're not great. But I do think the Colts are going to be good this year because, I mean, they have a good roster. Uh, Even if Carson Wentz sort of holds them back, if he plays similarly to the way he did, I don't think he can be as bad as he was last year for the Eagles because I don't think he can get much worse than that. Uh But even if he holds them back, I do think they're going to win their share of games and he will reach those that 75% benchmark. I think the best case scenario for the Eagles is just like what I said, if like, the division is similar to the NFC East was a year ago where like every team is bad um, and the, the Colts included are bad and they just keep playing Wentz because they think they can win the division and then ultimately they lose their last few games, wind up with a really bad record and don't win the division either. <laughs> you know, that that's the best case scenario where I think, you know, you could end up with, and of course they need Wentz to keep playing. Like if the Colts are just completely out of it, then they're going to bench him to preserve yeah, that first round pick. they too. Yeah. So I think that the best case scenario is that that pick can end up somewhere in like the 10 range, but I think that's probably even pretty, pretty unrealistic. Yeah, I think the Colts are making the playoffs because they're winning that division. So I think mm. that you expect that pick to be in the 20s right now. Uh, and, and if the Colts are in a position to win their division, they're going to stick with Wentz. you got to remember their backup is Jacob Eason this year, which is big. Mm. If it were still Jacoby Brissett, it's a different conversation because they know him yeah. and he's a vet and whatever. Second-year, fourth-round pick who is viewed as a total project coming out. So there's not much of a, we're still competitive if we – no, like that's not – I don't think that's the case with Eason. So – I expect that pick to be, if it's in the first round in the 20s, and yeah, I think 70% of the snaps plus the playoffs makes sense for the Colts' timeline of what they expect to be. They've been weird. I mean, like, they had all the money in the world, right? They had Patriots money, and the Patriots were like, we're going to sign everybody. And the Colts were like, we're going to sign Sam Tevy. <laughs> okay. You know? Right. Um, but they, like, they brought T.Y. Hilton back on a one-year deal. They brought Xavier Rhodes back. Like, they seem to be trying to, like, okay, we went 11-5 and five last year with Phillip Rivers. Let's bring, every, let's bring the gang back together. Bring in Wentz, and that'll make us better, which I don't think is a, is going to happen. But that seems to be their thought. So I think they're, yeah, 10-11 win team. Picks can be in the 20s. They're going to make the playoffs. The Dolphins pick uh, is the interesting one to me because they have the opposite problem of the AFC South. Colts are going to win that division because it's bad. 
Dolphins could be just as good as the Colts and miss the playoffs completely yeah, because yeah. that division's going to be good. Uh, the, the Bills are going to be good this year. I think the Patriots will be much improved. I'm not sure if they'll, they'll be better than the Dolphins, but it, it's a Belichick Patriots team. You know what I mean? They were playing the Dolphins tight last year, and they were really bad. You know, like I think they'll, they'll, um, they'll be good. And then, I mean, like the Jets could be better. Probably not enough to put a dent in the Dolphins. But the, there's a realistic case that what happens last year where the Dolphins were a 10-win team that missed the playoffs – if they're the same caliber of team, they may even struggle to be like a 10-win team because they have to play the Bills twice and they have to play the Dolphins twice, or the, the Patriots twice, excuse me, and then throw in the rest of the AFC, which I think is quite good. So, again, I think you're expecting that pick to be around the, around 20 because I think the Dolphins are a fringe playoff team, right? Obviously, they have a second-year quarterback on whom a lot hinges. Um, but even then, like, I think two first-round picks, which is what we expect this to be, both of them in the 20s. Like, we just saw this Niners deal with 12 and then two future firsts, which we know are discounted by the league, move them up to the, the top available pick, in the, 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 the current you know inflection point for the draft, because everybody knows what's happening at one, everybody knows what's happening at two. So the Eagles are looking at these, these picks as trade assets. They're really strong, because three picks in one draft, even if those picks are t- late 20s, are going to be worth more than three first-round picks spread over three years. It sh- and we expect the Eagles, their own first-round pick, to be... 12 if not higher so they'll have the ability to use that capital to make an aggressive move into the top of the draft if that's what the situation demands yeah i think eagles are looking at a top 10 top 12 pick for themselves that you know their own first next year yes um i think to give howie credit i think betting on volatile quarterbacks like getting those the teams with those first round picks is a pretty you know good bet to make blg is just like salivating thinking of rooting against wentz and Tua next year like every rookie <laughs> mistake to amaze he's like yes move it up seriously though that's that's a really good that's like a fun angle to consider to next year because if the eagles aren't going to be good like at least you can take a special interest in rooting against the colts <laughs> and the dolphins you tweet like you can watch those games and be like yes you know lose let's get those draft picks <laughs> Um, so, so that'll be fun. Um, I, I do think, you know, betting against you know, those quarterbacks makes some sense. Although I think the head coaches in both of those situations and then just talent on the roster elsewhere, as you guys have kind right. of mentioned, does raise the floor. I don't think like the Eagles are getting, I honestly, I don't think either of those teams are going to be in the top 10. Um, maybe two is just so bad, but I don't, I, I still, I like Flores a lot and I think he's a good coach. I just, I think he's going to mm-hmm. prevent them from like totally bottoming out, which is like fine. I, you don't necessarily, I mean, obviously, ideally you want those picks to be as good as possible. I guess I've been like kind of thinking about like, what's the value of them still, if they're still in the late twenties, like, is that good enough, you know, like to execute a trade up? It could be. Yeah. Um, or for a veteran quarterback, like that's just where I'm, I'm thinking about it. If the Eagles had the, if the Eagles were like, we're going to offer you our first round pick, the Colts first round pick, and the Dolphins first round pick this year. Like, let's say, like, you know, let's move one year into the future. The Eagles call up you and they offer that. That's stronger than what the Niners just offered to sure. the Dolphins. You know, overspread over three years. And that number three pick, that was the premium pick. That was the best pick on the market. So to me, that their package will be strong enough, even if those picks are mid-20s. So I just pulled up the Dolphins schedule here. Um, they play the NFC South, difficult, and they play the AFC South, not as not difficult. Not as difficult. <laughs> Let's, uh... So they play the Colts this year. They do, yeah. Oh, so there's a, there's a loss or tie. What week? What for... week? <laughs> we don't know yet. We don't schedule's know. Yet. All right. We just, we if that if that's like week two, we won't know who to root for yet. <laughs> we don't know who's going to be bad. That's right. Let's just run, let's just play let's, let's play uh, okay. Dolphins record very quickly. Uh, okay. okay. 
they play the Bills, Patriots, and Jets each twice, of course. What do you got in those? Uh, They'll go three and three. I got the same thing. Uh, same. Okay. I'm just writing these down as we go. BLG was sent on one okay. and five. He wanted to say it. Uh, okay, these are the these are. We'll just do all the home games first. Texans win. 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 Colts lost. <laughs> uh, win. Oh, wait. Uh, I'll go. I'll go loss on that. Uh, no, you know what? I'm going win. Sorry. <laughs> Good podcasting, Jimmy. <laughs> Falcons. Win. 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 Panthers. Win. Loss. Win. Uh, you guys are going to have to tally your own results here because uh, uh, I'm already out on that. Ravens. Uh, loss. 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 Uh, these are the away games now. Jaguars. Win. 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 Titans. Win. Win. Loss. Saints. Loss. Loss. Win. Buccaneers. Loss. 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 Uh, Raiders. Ooh. Win. Win. I'll also go win there. And then the floating game, we don't know where that'll be, will be be the Giants. Win. Win. Uh, So I've got them at 10 and 7. Yeah, I'll I'll go win on that too. I think I was around there. I totally forgot, but I think I at least had nine in there. Yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't like bad. I think they could be like an eight and nine team. Like I, I think realistically, that ideally, works. if well, if two is really bad, then it could be a pretty low floor. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't I don't think so. I think Flores raises their floor. I don't think like, again. I don't think they're in the top ten, even if two is like terrible. I think I still think the defense and special teams and everything they've got going is like will make them solid enough. But anyway, well, the problem offensively, they don't have like who's their who's their who is their lead back? Is it Gaskin? Is he right now? It's nobody, back? but they're gonna draft somebody. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, like, where are they picking other than that? Because I know they have a couple first round picks. Right, so they're at six picks? and eighteen. Uh, and then right. they also so they'll have get like a yeah. Houston's they'll, they'll, two, which is thirty-five. Who do you like better, ATN or uh, Najee Harris? I like Harris better. I think they'd like Harris better too. Three right. downs, well, huge. Yeah, we're in the weeds on <laughs> this. Right. Let's so take a break. Let's take another break. <laughs> let's hear from Kristen Roach. Roach. Well, let's hear about, not from her. Although we we should hear no, from let's, her. Or something. Let's just hear the song. Yeah, but I'm saying we should get Kristen Roach on the podcast sometime to. Uh... Kristen. Oh my god. I don't right think she there? wants to do this. I, don't, I didn't mean right now. <laughs> then, right, let's just let's just play the song. Go to break. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. Eight five six nine oh six nine two nine five. Eight five six nine oh six nine two nine five nine two nine five. Back here on BGN Radio one seventy five final segment. I always say the numbers. I always say they don't matter. But uh, yeah, maybe someone out there likes them. So the Eagles potentially have all these picks in the first round next year. Let's say they get the three. Uh, I think, you know, we can talk about what are they going to do with them? Let's let's assume, you know, that Jalen Hurts is less than convincing and he's not your guy because it's probably more fun to talk about that um, than it is like, who are they going to take next year when we don't know all of that yet? Uh, so I specifically wanted to bring up Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson because I think those are the two veteran targets. 
Um, if if you want to tell me, Ben, especially you having more knowledge of next year's first round, maybe or the quarterbacks of next year's draft. Now, and I, and I want to say here before we get into Watson, obviously, um, very. Uh, unknown future there are he, he's facing 16 lawsuits alleging sexual assault and or inappropriate conduct uh, that's not good that's not good but i think you know we need to see how that plays out um i only want to comment on it here because the eagles have been connected to him jason lock and was the first one who said back on march 17th don't discount the eagles as a strong suitor for deshaun watson too many sources with ties to ownership have whispered whispered that sentiment my way and then jeff mclean said that uh, he cited an NFL source saying that Howie will give up everything he has for Watson. That was on March 19th. On March 22nd, Aaron Wilson from the Houston Chronicle reported that the Eagles are among the teams that remain interested in Watson despite uh, everything that's been going on in terms of the accusations and, and allegations that have come out. So where do you guys stand, I guess, on what those picks might become in terms of a future quarterback? Yeah, Zero percent chance they trade for Watson anytime soon. You know this is going to, I think, go for a while, and no team is, is he's radioactive at this point. I mean, no team's going to acquire him until it's understood what's happening. I know that there's like you know been big complaints about how the attorneys have handled proof to this point, and it's all a total mess, and it's terrible. And I hope that everybody's okay. It's bad. I thought, from a football perspective, that the Dolphins would take three and use it to continue to accrue future future capital, play another year of Tua, and have future draft picks to potentially still make the Watson deal because they always looked like the strongest player in the Watson trade room. And up to this point, Houston is not really engaged with anybody yet, but if they were going to engage with anybody, it was going to be Houston. Or it was going to be Miami because they had number three. The Dolphins made the trade back with the Niners, and I was like, see, this is exactly what they're doing. They're going to hold on to this capital and potentially get Watson. And then they traded up to six with the Eagles. And I was like, that's weird. I didn't expect that. Uh, I, I'm surprised that Chris Greer made that decision. I still am. Uh, accordingly, you know, the Dolphins still have six. It still makes their package pretty strong. If, if Watson gets traded before the draft, but I'd be stunned if that happens. No team is stronger in the 2022 draft and beyond than the Eagles. No team is potentially three first-round picks. They're only, only, you know, the Lions and the Jets with two. So, uh, to me, yes. I think that a big, not a big part, a decent part of acquiring future capital in the Eagles' war room was we don't know if Watson's actually going to become available or not, and we want to be strong in the event that he does. This is a multi-year rebuild, so we can we can play that time. Whereas Miami probably felt a little bit more like we were a 10-win team last year. We can push this thing over the edge. Let's do it. Uh, so that puts them in the Watson conversation for however long that Watson conversation lasts also puts them in the Russ conversation next off season. The whole like Russ wants to be traded thing out of Seattle was always bupkis because they like the Eagles paid Wentz the same amount to not be on their roster as opposed to be on their roster. The Seahawks would have had to pay Wilson 6 million more to go play for somebody else in dead money than they would have paid him this year to just stay on the roster. It would cost them to trade him. So I don't think it was ever going to happen this year. Next offseason, it starts to actually become fiscally viable. To me, that's that, that a, a decent part of this, you know, all these future firsts is we want to be in a position if either two of these players legitimately becomes available. Russ is going to be 33 this year, I think, in November is his birthday. And then, of course, if they trade for him next offseason... It'll be 34 <laughs> during the season. There's my uh, math analytics there. Um, the Eagles are still, as we noted earlier in the podcast, likely not to be good in 2021. And they're probably not likely to be good in 2022. 
So I don't view Russ necessarily as, I mean, quarterbacks obviously can play, uh, you know, deep into their thirties. Um, I mean, especially now more than ever. And a guy's never been hurt. He's not. He's never really... won fewer than ten regular season games. He's also he also had his worst year in a while in twenty twenty. Uh, I think right. I mean, they kind of they, yeah. As a as a team, they kind of fell apart, but right. uh, near the end of the year. But and I think he didn't play super well at the end of the year. Um, he would not be a guy that I would view as sort of a long term ideal target. At least I would, or I'll put it this way. I would view Deshaun Watson as a much more uh, compelling and much more, um, uh, I guess, desirable quarterback uh, to trade for. Obviously, Pending. as Ben went to great lengths to to, to flesh out, like we, there's zero percent chance anything is happening until we know more about his situation. But if all that is, you know, it, it turns out that he's not radioactive anymore then he would be the more appealing player to me than, than Russ. I I guess maybe there's a scenario where the Eagles look kind of decent this year, but like Hertz is kind of the clear thing holding them back. You know, like let's say they overachieve like based on our expectations and they're like, you know, they basically look like the Niners or, or like one of these teams that are like, things look good, but the quarterback isn't right. So then maybe like that's the point where you jump in and you're trying to like, all right, we're just the quarterback away. Then you can go get him. Um, otherwise, yeah, Watson, obviously just from a, uh, profile in terms of age and everything makes more sense. They're uh, obsessed with Russ, though. They're obsessed. With I know. Him. Well, first thing they brought up when they drafted Hurts, well, Russell Wilson. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with Russell Wilson. It's, it's Howie's biggest mistake. <laughs> Passing him three times to get Vinny Curry. I mean, obviously they won the Super Bowl with Foles. I know, but like you just said it, like they they've had what one season where they didn't win double digit games in Seattle. The, like the, the guy wins. I'm always fascinated by your favorite players because you're so tall, and you like, <laughs> and like one of your players. favorite players is Seth Curry, and, and uh, that's right. I have that right, right? He's one of your favorite basketball players ever. I mean, I like Curry, but I, I mean Embiid's my favorite player, of obviously. course. Yeah, I mean, and then Not Russell Embiid Wilson, faction, one of the right, shortest yeah. uh, quarterbacks in NFL history. <laughs> He's, so I don't know. I always find that kind of funny. Um, so Ben, I guess. So, well, Ben and Jimmy, or whatever. Ben, starting with you, because you have more knowledge, I'm guessing, of next year's first-round quarterback. So what do we think is more likely? Like, taking trading up for a first-round quarterback next year? Or I'll, I'll even throw... Why don't we throw percentages out there? Like, which one... Which percentage chance would you say Hurts is the long-term answer? Which percentage chance would you say they get a quarterback next year, either trading up for one or whatever? Percentage chance they trade for a veteran quarterback. Well, I absolutely do not want to do percent chances because that's so hard. Um, Hurts percent chance future quarterback. Or rank like, them. Why don't we yeah. rank them then? Uh, so I think most likely is always going to be uh, the drafting the quarterback. They are nuts about the quarterback position. Our most important position, we're going to go crazy. We're going to invest so much. So even if Hurts is like kind of good, if they're sitting on this capital, they're going to look at drafting a quarterback the same way when they were at six they were going to look at drafting a quarterback, right? So I think that's most likely. I would say number two then is that Hertz is able to be the the uh, the long term guy, right? Which I would put at like less than fifty percent. It's not a bet that I would take, but it's possible. Certainly is. Uh, and then the 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 trade for a veteran quarterback is so conditional on the other teams, right? Like if if Seattle just like 
does what Wilson wants and gets a good tackle, then there's a chance to see that Wilson's, you know, frustration goes away and whatever. Obviously, the Houston-Deshaun situation is impossible to riddle out. There's 25,000 different things going on. So, like, notwithstanding knowing what happens with those guys, it's very difficult to bet on that. My only note on the 22 quarterback class would be the exact same note I said of, you know, the players at six, you know, 45 minutes ago. We like to think we know. We don't. You know, like, like people would have told you the 2020 quarterback class coming into the season was not good. And then, you know, Burrow came out of nowhere, won the Heisman, became the first overall pick. Uh, Tua had the injury, still went top five. Herbert had another shaky season after his best season was his, like, end of freshman, beginning of sophomore stretch went six and then won rookie of the year even though he shouldn't like who, who was that guy like what he didn't do that in college right we we don't we we can't like every year there's always a, an nfl insider who's like the league is doing this because they know that the 2023 <laughs> running back class that like, we don't we can't we can't know that with with this much strength wilson was the 53rd ranked guy by athlon coming into the year there's just so little uh, certainty it'll be weaker than this year because this year's really really good but you know, if you're if you're really you know feeling in the doldrums, put on some Sam Howell, UNC. Put on some Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma. Those guys can sling it; they're a lot of fun. Desmond Ritter is he Cincinnati? Yeah, he's he's good, but he's not. I don't think he's going to end up being a first round guy. He's a lot of fun, okay. um, but he's he's like a, a tight end. Like you know, what I mean, he's like big and runs it, and then right. sometimes slings it. And it's pretty cool. He's likable though. He talks unbelievable amounts of mess for a quarterback, which I respect. So I'm with Ben that trade is the least likely scenario. Just again, because as he noted, it's totally it's not it's not totally within their control. I will flip flop on the Hertz versus draft one mm. point. I'll, I have Hertz being the top uh, likelihood, and then then wow. drafting someone in the first round. Um, and Ben makes a great point. We don't know. Like we don't know what the quarterback class is going to look like next year. But the Eagles think they know because if you remember, like when they drafted when they traded up for Carson Wentz they cited that they looked ahead to future quarterback both two things one, one was that they looked ahead to future quarterback drafts and they determined that uh it probably wasn't going to be strong actually it wound up being very strong because the next draft was Patrick Mahomes uh, Sean Watson <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky went <laughs> Mitchell three Trubisky. but whatever uh so like they they got it wrong maybe they have changed because they got that wrong but uh I I would probably bet more that they still think that they can project out into the future and there aren't any quarterbacks right now that you would go, that guy's definite, like no question, like Trevor Lawrence was a year ago. So right. I think they think they can project out and they, you know, aren't, uh, I don't know. So I, I think that uh, it'll more likely be Hurts than, um, than a, a draft pick at one. To go to something off I said earlier, I do like the optionality. That's something I really do like about this deal. To, to you know, to be a same hinky acolyte like I am, and to bring that up here, and a Daryl Morey one too, um, like there's options here. Like the fact that we can discuss all of these as possibilities is good. And again, some an area where I want to give Howie and the Eagles credit. Like they, it might not be the most likely thing, but again, what if there is a scenario where they just need that veteran? Like their timeline accelerates faster than expected, and then they have the ammo to potentially go out and get Russ or or Watson or whoever or. Uh, if it's more of a long-term thing, like Jimmy's saying, and, it's, it pro- and it probably could be, then they just draft a guy uh, if, if Hertz isn't the guy. Or maybe Hertz is the guy, and then you can build a really, hopefully, you, you hit the picks and you build a strong roster around him with all the uh, the picks that you have here. So I do like the different options. Uh, but speaking of options, the Eagles now have more of them 
at number 12 than they would at number six. So Jimmy came up with a game for Ben to play to help us get to know or uh, familiarize us with the, the new options at number 12. Yeah, so basically the, the, the pool of players that we've been, of course, obsessing over over the last, well, since the season ended, <laughs> you know, that sixth overall pick, you're looking at Jamar Chase, you're looking at the, the four quarterbacks, you're looking at Kyle Pitts, uh, Sewell from Oregon, and so on. Like, the, those are the guys that we thought they could pick at six. Now the whole menu has changed. So what I'm going to do for Ben is I'm going to rattle off a list of, not a list, but one of, we'll go one at a time, 10 different players uh, who may sort of be on that menu at pick number 12. And Ben will tell us whether he thinks they are worthy of the 12th overall pick and whether he would draft them there or not. It's like an Sound elevator pitch, but I'm stuck in the elevator. Can't exactly. leave. Just stuck up in the and down. <laughs> but he gave me his 30 right. seconds, right? Did you say that? He's got 30 seconds for each one, and I will cut him off with the next name if he goes over that time limit. <laughs> I can do this. Are you ready, Ben? Yeah. Okay, this start is off like with an easy show. one. We'll go. We'll start off with an easy one here. We'll go offense first, and then defense too. All right, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver, Alabama. Go. Yeah. So for a, a scouting staff that like Rager, I think they're going to like Waddle because the builds are similar. Like five ten, one eighty five. I think Waddle is, and Waddle's got true four two speed. Uh, the nice thing about Waddle relative to Rager is that he's got more experience in college as a field stretcher. He was targeted more downfield on vertical stuff, so he actually has a better projection. The Eagles tried to do Rager, that didn't go as well. So that would work. Uh, they're going to like him, and he's certainly worth 10. You just have to worry about the injury. He had an ankle injury that limited his last season, so if he's healthy, he'll be good. 28 seconds, perfect. Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. I think they're going to be split on Smith. I think coaching staffs everywhere are going to like Devontae Smith because the film is unbelievable. Heisman award-winning wide receiver season, you don't see that ever. Uh, so the film is great. Uh, he weighs about 170 pounds soaking wet at six foot one. So the, the body density, he's really thin. Uh, and typically players with low BMI at wide receivers, with low weight at wide receivers, struggle in the league. So you'd be betting on an analytics outlier, which does not sound like Roseman. If the scouting staff convinces him, it'll work. If not, I don't think he's on their board. Rashawn Slater. Is it Rashawn or Rashawn Slater? It's Rashawn uh, Slater, I Rashawn think. Rashawn Slater. Offensive tackle. People yeah. think he's, well, I'll let you get to that. Northwestern. Now I'm now I'm thinking, I, I usually think it's Rashawn. It actually is Rashawn. I can't remember. Anyway, Slater played right tackle and left tackle across his career at Northwestern. Really, really polished player. People are concerned about the length and the size at tackle, but he tested in at like the usual tackle threshold, right? 33-inch arms. And then basically tested like Joe Tooney out of NC State. Just like unbelievable quickness and explosiveness. Really, really solid player. Had the film against Chase Young in 2019 with last season he played that really got people excited. He'd be a left tackle prospect for the Eagles, and usually they like bigger bodies. So I don't think they're going to like him as much, but the film is really quality. I don't think they have a guard spot for him either. I let you go a little long there because we had debate over the yeah, information <laughs> of his first name. But uh, moving on to defense, Gregory Rousseau, defensive end, Miami. Rousseau had 19.5 TFLs and 15.5 sacks as a freshman, and they were all lies. Uh, Miami's just got a super aggressive slanting lineup. This dude, he's like 265 pounds at nose and just let him like run around like crazy. He's very long. He's six foot seven. So they're like Alden Smith type build, but he's very, very raw right now. He doesn't know how to generate a pass rush plan on the outside. Taking him would be 
very Eagles in the sense that it wouldn't make a lot of sense. It would have quote unquote upside, but not actually have upside. Bad pick. Quiddy Pay, defensive end, Michigan. Yeah, so Pay was listed at six four two seventy seven, and then came in at the Michigan Pro Day at like six two two sixty one. Uh, so this is a Brandon Graham-like build in terms of his density. Uh, but Michigan played him as a hand-in-the-dirt guy, like inside the tackle at times. And he's a really solid run defender. He tested like an absolute freakazoid. He ran like four fives. He's run like a six-two-three cone, just bananas athleticism. He's not ready as a pass rusher. This would be a better pick than Rousseau in terms of upside, but it still would represent like a multi-year look before he's impactful. Jalen Phillips, defensive end Miami. So Phillips was a, a five-star recruit, was a number one recruit who initially was at UCLA, had issues with concussions, had issues with, with health off the field, retired from football, and then decided to come back, transferred to Miami. He is the most polished and pro-ready pass rusher in this class. The questions on him are medical red flags and character, you know, commitment red flags. How much does he love the game? Um his, his build, 6'4", 255, is what the Eagles would like. He's an outside rusher, so they'll like his film a lot. His his thing that will matter talking with scouts, is he committed, yes or no? Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Yeah, so everybody wants the Eagles to take him. I doubt that uh, they do. Parsons is a defensive end, outside linebacker, two-stack linebacker, convert, uh, multiple season starter, as, even as a freshman at Penn State, last played in 2019, really ended on a high note. Uh, the the size, the range, the physicality. It's kind of like watching Tremaine Edmonds out of Virginia Tech, who's now been quite good with the Bills. Uh, he's he's a true consummate three-down linebacker. Will the Eagles value that player? I don't think so. I'd be surprised if he's on their board at 12. Patrick Sertan, the second cornerback. Yeah. Pat Sertan's kid. Yeah, no, it's weird. Uh He's prototypical, uh, you know, Seattle cover three corner build. Uh, a lot of the same success, you know, Alabama and Nick Saban. They play him as a press man guy. He's at his most successful, you know, with inside leverage, letting guys get vertical on him and running with long speed transitions, mobility, flexibility, not as good. Uh, people have comped him to Xavier Rhodes. So if Jonathan Gannon sees that, maybe he likes him. But I don't think with the way that they usually align their corners and off coverage, he makes perfect sense. I'd be fine with it, but it'd be a little bit finicky. Caleb Farley, cornerback, Virginia Tech. I would have told you that this would have been a big guy for them. Farley is a wide receiver to corner convert. Really, really nice and off coverage. Great ball skills. It's one of those stupid movers, right? You watch like Jalen Ramsey and Derwin James. Like, how are you that big and just making transitions like that? Farley's got that trait to him. He has so little experience at corner that it, a little bit raw. It was going to take more time. But he has more experience playing in off coverage, more experience playing in zone. Gannon and, and, and that defensive staff usually cares a lot about physicality and tackling. He's good in that regard. But he has a back injury, and so he's probably going to not be that early. J.C. Horn, cornerback, South Carolina. Yeah, I think Horn's the, the, the dark horse for 12. If you told me right now, you know, the Eagles pick somebody and the entire fan base right now has no idea who it is, I would tell you J.C. Horn. So the son of Joe Horn at South Carolina, press man corner, uh, not dissimilar to how Darius Slay was used by the Lions after before the Eagles uh, acquired him. Super physical, super aggressive, loves to tackle, all that intensity, all that effort that Jonathan Gannon and that coaching tree talks about. Uh, is he going to be good in zone? I'm not sure, but with Slay and with Horn, you can play man coverage across the board, which something the Colts did want to do last year. So that works. Too. Well done. The last two I got a little long, but I was feeling all right. <laughs> Horn, the, uh, the Eagles were at his pro day uh, this past week. There, I mean, every defensive coach in the world who's all about that, like, we're going to be a hustle team and we're going to chart loafs. You know what I mean? That's Matt Eberflus' thing. Is like they, every day, every week, they like chart when players don't hustle. They're going to mm-hmm. love Horn because Horn plays like everybody on the opposing team insulted his mother. He's totally nuts. Uh, <laughs> so I, I wouldn't be surprised. Make that the pick. 
put him opposite Darius Slay. You're going to be able to play cover one if you want to, which is huge for teams, like being able to play man cover. Um, just using the time, I didn't have to talk about Horn to talk more about Horn. Um, I, I think they're going to like him a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the pick. Ben Fennell put out a good tweet on him where that he showed all the various things that South Carolina asked him to do. Like they had him covering Kyle Pitts and why yep. ISO. Go cover Elijah Moore in the slack. Go cover Devontae Smith with no help. And um, I th- I'm with you. Like I think he kind of has that uh, Jalen Mills mentality. But with Uh-oh. maybe a little bit more talent, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little, maybe, more, a little, a little the play to back it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Are there, is there anyone that you would have on that on your menu at twelve that I didn't uh, I didn't hit you with? I don't think so. No, like I see you brought up the wide receivers. Uh, yeah, I don't think Sewell makes it down there. Um, it's too early for Aziz Ojolari, the edge out of Georgia. Yeah, to me, to me, yeah, that's pretty much what you're what you're looking at, what you're dealing with. Um, like I said, like I don't think Parsons will be on their board. Um, the only like, no, nah, they signed Anthony Harris. I don't think they'd have a safety. Yeah, to me, oh, to Mo-Rig me, that you were thinking about what's that? Morig, you were thinking about? Yeah, Merig out of TCU. Who they'll they'll like, but I don't think he's worth twelve. And I think with Harris, they won't feel like they have to go at that position. I was going to put Vera Tucker Tucker on there, but he's kind of the same thing as Ray yeah. Tucker, he would make more sense if they had a guard spot open, right? Like if yeah. Kelsey retired yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were going to kick right. Sam Malo in. And right. then also, like you don't know where Brooks' health is. Like I was going to bring that up with Slater. What's nice about Slater is you draft him, and then he he plays tackle for you, or he plays guard for you, and maybe he switches during his career because he can probably do both. Um, but I don't know how strong they feel about Brooks's health, and so that kind of leaves that open ended. Jimmy, who do you really want at number twelve? And then Ben, same thing. Once Jimmy's done, Waddle. I mean, Waddle would be my top guy. If not Waddle, then uh, Devontae Smith, and um, yeah, any 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 one of those corners would be fine. I mean, you'd have to be comfortable with um, Farley's health, uh, but if you are, then fine. And so, really, for me, it'd be Waddle, Smith, uh, Sertan. Uh, Farley, if he checks out, or Horn, all, any any of those five guys would be fine with me. Yeah, if they're taking a corner, I I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't. I'd have problems with each one, uh, and I okay. would I would get it, and I would like it, but like I would have concerns for each one. Farley with the health, Sertan with the scheme fit, and then Horn just did not play zone, and she just didn't do it. And so you, you you have to know what his eyes look like and what his comfort is, and that can that can be tricky. You know, that's harder than it looks. Um, I think one of the three wide receivers, Chase, Smith, and Waddle, will be available at 12. You think um, Chase could fall all the way to 12, potentially? Yeah. I think, right? Really? I think, yeah. Well, like, we all love Chase. Joe Banner had the tweet where he was like, everybody talks about Chase's wide receiver one, and the league's not decided on it. And the reason I think Chase could be there is less about Chase, and it's more about Smith and Waddle. Smith's going to be impossible to slot until we get to the day, and even then it may be, because... Some teams just will be like, he looks like a kid. No. And other teams will be like, <laughs> right. he won the Heisman. Yes. You know, and, and it's <laughs> right. going to be, he's going to be very bipolar in terms of who likes him and who doesn't. Uh, and then Waddle has the trump card, and the trump card is speed. At this time last year, Henry Ruggs was like plus 1,000 in most books to be the first receiver off the board. And then he went, you know, and it's because if you can, if you can stretch the field, teams will make nuts decisions for you. Uh, so the volatility of those two guys' stock affects chase who you know he opted out and he's i don't think gonna like you know test out of the gym he's just gonna like be a good athlete um so i I, when is their pro day anyway i mean chase chase like you know he just benched at x at the xos combine didn't run oh lsu's late it usually is yeah regardless um 
yeah, there, yeah. There's a so there's a, there's a chance, but I think that we've got. Uh, I think that it's it's likely that one of those receivers is available at twelve. I would like for that player to be the pick. Devonte would give me some pause. Waddle's a home run. If that if if they move back from six to twelve and get Waddle, that's money in the bank. I think it is such a lock that they're going to get a player who, like, a lot of people are going to be like, they got him at, this guy was, you know, mocked to the Eagles at six, now they're getting him at 12. I think it's, like, such a lock. <laughs> and it's also a lock that player's going to be terrible. No, that not much. Yeah. I'm just it, that's, that's the thing. It's, like, it's not a great first round. So it's, I, I agree with you. I think that's likely. That would be any of the receivers, by the way, would be mocked yeah. a lot to the Eagles at six. Yes. Um, me, I want, um, I really want Devontae. Um, I just think... Like, I know he's not the same player as Justin Jefferson last year, but just in terms of, like, this guy, like, has it. Like, he's just, like, a dog. Like, I just feel like this guy is going to go into the NFL and succeed. And I think something that I feel like I've I've become more high on um, after seeing how things have gone badly for the Eagles in terms of, like, football character. Not, like, you know, character concerns in terms of, like, there's legal trouble or stuff off the field, but just, like, you know... Um, just it's what I go back to with BWE and BLE as I've talked about on this show. Like I think Devonte Smith is big winner energy. Um, so like him, I'm intrigued by Waddle. I think I'd be cool with that. I really would still prefer a wide receiver here at uh, high in the draft. And and I think that was that was again going back to the whole trade and the merit of it. Like one of the things that concerned me is like they've literally never gotten wide receiver right under Howie Roseman in terms of drafting and developing. They've they've drafted one wide receiver who's gotten the second contract with the team, and it's Riley Cooper. So the, it's not a position of strength, and I just feel like, you know, taking one at the top is ideally, you know, the right or, or hopefully the way that they can actually get it right because they're, they're eliminating some margin for error. I just don't have the faith in them being like, oh, we're smart enough to where we can identify a guy later on and then develop him because they've literally never been able to do that. So... I really, I'm really hoping for one of the wide receivers there. I like a JC Horn, as you're talking about here. I, I, I think I'd be okay with that. But if we're talking about like what's really going to have me pounding the like who I'm pounding the table for, it's it's one of the wide receivers. So all right, anything else? Any final thoughts? Everybody should watch JC Horn film. It's a lot of fun. I feel like we covered a lot of ground here. There's a lot to unpack from this trade. So and I and I think that's another positive about the trade if we're looking for. Uh, something in the positive favor is it makes the Eagles more interesting. How much have I complained here this offseason? Like, right, BLG is like, I have something to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like this, yeah, they're yeah. this team that's very boring. They do not have a lot going for them. This makes them more interesting now. They're, more, they're a more compelling team than they were going into Friday. And then a season where we all kind of uh, agree that we think that they're, they're going to be really bad, we now have some external things to root for right. in the Colts and, uh, and, of course, now the Dolphins. The one last thing I'll say about the trade, which I don't like, and maybe it's a minor thing, but really don't love being behind the Cowboys and the Giants. Like literally like right behind the Cowboys at 10 Giants pick at 11. I'm just getting flashbacks to last year when CD lamb is on the board. It's like, go get him or hope he falls. Well, they can't falls. take a, They can't take a receiver again. So <laughs> they're not going to be an impediment there. What if Pitts the falls Cowboys. and they take him? They yeah. need a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a that'd nightmare. Be, that'd be bad. <laughs> yep. Uh, listen, the Eagles are just going to trade back again, so don't worry about it. They're not going to be right behind the Cowboys and the Giants. They're going to be way behind the Cowboys and the Giants. Actually, that's a question that I wanted to ask real quick. Do you think – so I think that, like, the, the – I don't think they can trade back again because I think there actually is a steeper decline in talent once you get into the teens uh, as opposed to 6 versus 12. I mean, do, would you agree with that, or do you think that the talent still kind of can be in the same uh, ballpark if they get – like, let's say they go back to, like – 
I don't know, like 17 or 18, for example. No, in that, in that I generally believe they should still be able to access at least one of the two top wide receiver tier and top cornerback tier. Yes, I would expect them to stay at 12 and make the pick. The wild card is if Mac Jones is available. Because if there's still one of those top five quarterbacks on the board, once we start talking... Yeah, if you're getting a good return, then sure. Right, exactly. Because the Eagles, I don't think the Eagles will like Mac just because of his prototype. They clearly want quarterbacks who can move. And Mac, like, ran a 4-8, but that wasn't real. Uh, so, you know, I don't, he doesn't really play like that. Um, yeah, like, what, are the, what are the Patriots picking, for example? Patriots are at 15. For... I'm thinking, like, yeah, Chicago right. at 20. You okay. know, Washington at 19. Because uh, I think if the Patriots want a quarterback, they'll move up further than 15 to 12. They'll go farther. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. Mac's still on the board, I think Roseman will take Coles. Because uh, that's potentially going to get you another overpay for to move up because the quarterback premium. And if you get that, maybe. And another guy it. off the board that you don't want. Yeah, maybe you take it, maybe you don't. But that's yeah. that's a draft day thing. That's not a, you know, choose that on a random Friday when Ben's in an airport thing. But how is Mac? Yeah, so what, what I mean by that is, like, you're moving back three spots, but it's really only like you're moving back two because one of the guys you're not going to pick anyway. Yeah. But how is Mac going to be on the, the board still when he's going to the 49ers at three now? <laughs> um. There's a lot of smoke around that. We'll, we'll Kyle see. Shanahan, if Shanahan got given Kirk Cousins <laughs> and then had to like cajole his way into Jimmy Garoppolo and he finally gets like his pick litter and he picks Mac Jones, he should be bullied for the rest of the time. You can't do that. You can't, you can't trade it. three first round picks for Mac Jones. Can't be done. Oh my goodness. Any final thoughts here, guys? No, I think I'm good. Ben? If they stunt Travis Fulgham's development, we never forgive them. <laughs> uh, check out bleedingyournation.com. Ben Solak just put up an article this morning about this trade in written form, so go check it out there. I also wrote some takeaways from it last night and Friday night. Beautiful, you know, Friday night, spring, 80 degrees out. Here I am, dedicated to the craft, staying inside, writing about this trade. Thanks, Howie. Um, Jimmy's work, phillyvoice.com. Follow us all on Twitter. I'm at Brandon Gowton. That's at Benjamin Solak. That's at Jimmy Kemsky. Isn't that nice? All these uh, just straightforward handles. Um, follow BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. Follow Bleeding Your Nation on Twitter at Bleeding Green. Check out the SB Nation NFL show where there's actually some reaction to the trade, not only from an Eagles perspective, but also national too for the 49ers and Dolphins. Uh, Kyle Posey and my co-host on the Oddcast on Tuesdays, Rob Statsguerrera, broke that down. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Check out Right to Song Craft Jerky by going to rightsong.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off. And we'll be talking about number 12 and a lot of other things with the draft coming up on a month away here on BGN. So make sure you are subscribing, rating, reviewing, downloading, all those good things so you don't miss anything. And until next time, goodbye, everybody. BGN.